information on breaking news and more bold inspired solutions for america this is a special edition of the sean hannity show america trapped behind enemy lines day number 213 day 213 joe biden abandons americans behind enemy lines day 226 since he promised oh i'm never gonna do that stabbing our fellow americans in the back um i start with a sad note today um we often don't give credit to people that do amazing work in life we you know i think one thing that came out of the convoy in canada is wow everything we buy in every store we go to gets there because a guy is behind an 18 wheeler for 10 11 12 hours whatever he's allowed to drive a day and every store that we go to we have you know full shelves most of the time except during the joe biden inflicted supply chain crisis and it's there because of truckers i think over the pandemic we we gathered a greater appreciation for healthcare workers for doctors for nurses for orderlies for janitors that work in hospitals everybody that worked in a hospital every single day during the pandemic they went into a covid petri dish even especially in the beginning when we didn't know as much about COVID as we do now, we didn't have monoclonal antibodies. Please, everyone in this audience, remember those words if you need it. Uh, there are two strains that we're watching very closely. Germany just set a record number of cases. This is far from over. It's a lull for us now, but it'll be back. Uh, either Omicron 2 or Delta Crom, which is a combination of Omicron and Delta. Uh, but we learned a lot about the doctors, the nurses, truck drivers, the farmers farm, the, the packers packed, the truckers trucked, the nurses, the doctors, all the factories that stayed open making, producing the, uh, the medical equipment that we needed so desperately and working overtime in the car companies. You know, they jumped on board to try, try and, and put together a ventilator. And, and even their top engineer said, this is not easy. This is a very sophisticated piece of technology here, meaning a ventilator, but they all did. We, we got a greater appreciation from people. Um, Fox News lost one of its premier uh, cameramen, uh, and his name is Pierre Zakchevsky, and he's been with the channel a long time. He died after his vehicle was struck by incoming fire out just outside of Kiev in Ukraine. It happened on Monday. I was not at liberty to really talk about it. I had heard that it had happened. We didn't know the extent of it at the time. And then, of course, we have somebody that's been on my show during this invasion of Putin of Ukraine, Benjamin Hall. He has a young family. He's a great reporter, great guy, extremely talented. And I don't know the extent of his injuries, so I'm not going to speculate. I, I've inquired but I don't, I, you know, I think he probably would want his own medical privacy. But we don't really appreciate, you know, look, a guy like Pierre is, and, you know, Steve Harrigan and Greg, Greg Palcott, they, they all go out in these war zones to show the world what's really happening. And they're risking their lives every day. And I, I can't tell you how many times I'd say to somebody as they finish their hit, um, you know, 
be safe, stay, you know, stay safe, be careful. Um, but Pierre was a war zone photographer. He covered nearly every international story for Fox News from Iraq to Afghanistan to Syria. He's w with the Fox News Channel a long time. He had a passion and a, he's a talented journalist in every way. And, uh, you know, as a statement put out by the president of Fox News, Suzanne Scott, my boss, you know, constant in all of our international coverage. I just want to stop and and, and the, the former New York Times reporter that got killed. I mean, we kind of take for granted it's not easy what they're doing. It takes a lot of bravery. It takes a lot of courage. I remember, you know, we've been in a couple of situations. We went to Iraq at one point, and I'll never forget. I mean, we're in a C-130. We did an in-flight refueling there and an in-flight refueling back, and the pilots are 22 years old. It's a huge cargo plane. And... Um, when you get close to a rack and you're about to land, um, they do what's called a corkscrew landing. You know what a corkscrew is, right? Right. You opening up a bottle of wine and you're in this plane. And I, I literally, they let me watch this in the cockpit, just like I went in the cockpit and saw the in-air refueling and experience is incredible. The technology, the innovation is amazing. These pilots at this young age blew me away. And anyway, you basically go vertical, but around in a circle like you're opening up a a bottle of wine and then room. Then you go right down. And the idea is you don't want to do a slow descent because that gives the enemy more time to shoot that plane out of the sky. And these guys that did this, that's what that, that, their job was every day, flying people to and from the war zone. And then we got in a helicopter convoy with then Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld. And, you know, we went to we had a number of stops. I don't remember how many, but we went to the red zone, meaning where it's dangerous, where, you know, we had a fleet of helicopters. Doors were open and manned machine guns on, on both sides of the bird. And and you get you just you just get a, a glimpse into the life of a soldier. And then, I'm you know, after whatever many days there i'm leaving and i'm thinking all these guys their their minimum deployment is a year in that hellhole because that's what it is a hellhole and the incredible bravery valor and commitment that they have and the sacrifice they're willing to make because their families are still back home and maybe they get to facetime maybe they get to talk to on the phone occasionally to their kids and their wife or whatever or your husband and it's such a commitment and it's moments like this that you really stop and think of how great people are in all that they do. What makes this country greater, it's people. Uh, when we were in Israel and we go to the, it was in the middle of hostilities, wasn't an outright war. You know, but one, not one day we went to a, a border town, Sarot is how you say it. Although Linda will correct me. And it's right on the border Better. of Gazi. Settled. All right. You say it differently than I do. And it's on it's on the border of Gaza. You can see Gaza. And, you know, the night before we had gotten there, the, the kibbutz, meaning a neighborhood, and they call it a kibbutz, was, you know, hit with shrapnel and hit with these, you know, with with weapons that are designed to destroy lives. And I'm thinking and then you go to the playground. 
the playgrounds for kids in this neighboring town of Gaza were underground because there wouldn't be enough time for a kid that was playing outside in a playground to get to a bomb shelter because of the close proximity of Gaza. We went to the police station and they had in the back of the police station thousands of rockets that had been fired into Israel over the years, over 10,000 rockets in this one town in 10 years. Linda, you remember this trip. And that's the trip where we went into the tunnels that were drip, that were dug underground and, you know, 60 feet underground. They use Israeli and American cement and electricity not to build hospitals and schools as it was designed for, but they do it to commit acts of terrorism against innocent Israelis. I mean, yeah, and to be fair, Sean, it was, you know, we were at the University of Soroka Hospital. They were incredible there. Their ICU department is amazing. And they were taking care of soldiers like we're seeing now on the front lines of Ukraine that were some of them were no older than 18 years old. And then we meet. And and so and then one night we went to this place. The food in Israel, I thought, was horrific. I mean, unless you like Linda and like these green. I thought it was amazing. This disgustingly green puke, you know, projectile vomit, disgusting smoothie or an orange projectile vomit smoothie. And you love hummus, which I can't stand. Um, even McDonald's was awful in Israel, which really disappointed. I saw McDonald's. I'm like, stop this car right now. I'm starving. But you think of these guys and they put their lives on the line for us every day. And it just hit home losing this photographer, not knowing the condition of uh, this journalist, friend of ours, uh, Benjamin Hall, Pierre Zakchevsky. You know, how does his family feel today? But he did it because he wanted us that he had a passion for what he did. And I'm just grateful. And I just want everyone to know our thoughts and prayers, love sent their way. Um, and that's for everybody. I don't care what news organization you work for because all of them are brave and any soldier that goes into any war zone i remember leaving thinking what if i had to stay in iraq a year how would i feel not knowing if you're ever going to see your family again and then you're out on patrol and maybe it's not you but maybe your your fellow um com- fellow tr- platoon members maybe maybe they just got shot maybe their legs just got blown off with an ied and it just can't be any war is hell. That's why when, you know, some people have been saying, well, Hannity, what do you think? What is America's role in the world? We can't be the world's policemen. Totally agree with you. We can't. The world has a lot of darkness and a lot of evil. Evil does exist. I wrote a whole book on evil. The last century, 100 million human souls destroyed in the name of some ism. Communism, Mao, China, Stalin, Russia, Nazism, Hitler, Fascism, Mussolini, uh, Tojo, Japan. It's hard for good people to wrap their minds around evil. So what's the role? No, we're not going to put boots on the ground. One of the reasons we can't do it unless our own national security interests are at risk. And even then, I would lean towards the medical the the I'm sorry, the military sophistication and technology advances we've made as a country where you can fight wars and with pinpoint accuracy hit any target, any place in the world at any time and push that button in an unmanned drone from Tampa Bay, Florida. That's that's I prefer that kind of war. And that's why we always have got to be the leader in terms of military technology.
Um, but we learned in the past what happens when these politicians, oh, they're all gung-ho, and they start these wars, and time goes on, and casualties come in, and it gets politicized, and then it's, you know, it's used to score cheap political points. And then finally, it gets to the point where we say, never mind. Now, what if you're the parent or a family member of a loved one that put themselves in harm's way and they die? Because we didn't fight the war to win the war. If you're going to fight to win, if you're going to fight a war, fight it to win and then go win. And you don't, there can be no mercy if you want to win the war in that sense. Yes, of course, you try to avoid collateral damage. Putin's not doing that. Putin is out there hitting maternity hospitals. We've seen the images of mass graves. We've seen entire neighborhoods leveled. We've seen it all. So I think providing the Ukrainians who have now shown a willingness to fight, javelins, which are very effective, stingers, which are extremely effective. Ronald Reagan provided stinger missiles to the Mujahideen, and they beat the Soviet Union, and they ran them out of Afghanistan in the 1980s. It worked. If the Ukrainians are willing to fight, give them the javelins, uh, give them the stingers, give them the fighter jets. Why they? Why anybody asked permission, asked Joe's permission, Joe Biden's permission, is beyond me. Sadly, we have a president so weak, frail, afraid, and compromised. This is what leading from behind is. America last is. And live free or die, America and the world on the brink. This is the on the brink part I tried to warn everybody about. And it's only going to get worse with Iran, and it's only going to get worse with China. These are not good times. Anyway, our prayers are with everybody in any war zone, including the people of Ukraine. What do you think when you see mass grave? What do you think when you see a young girl and a mother laying in the street dead with their luggage trying to flee a war zone? I think we can provide the military aid if they're willing to fight their own fight. We got a lot of ground to cover today. Uh, Rand Paul will join us in a little bit. Um, there's a lot of people out there that are caught, are very optimistic. Um, I have pause for cautious optimism, but I tend to really be realistic, and I'm Irish, so I always think the worst is going to happen. And what I'm seeing is, and Greg Palcott pointed this out last night, and I really took note of it. And then I did a deeper dive into this, and I'll, I'll go into more detail throughout this hour. But there, the, you, the Russians were 18 miles out of Kiev last week. Remember, we interviewed the guy in the bunker, and he said, oh, I don't really see the perimeter being surrounded. It's being surrounded. And now they're nine miles out, and the bombardment has gotten worse. And Ukraine is now becoming Chechnya, Chechnya on a larger scale as the U.N. is even warning of a potential nuclear war, uh, which there's always going to be a possibility with with any nuclear power. You know, the idea that we will cower because Vladimir Putin makes a threat, well, if that's the case, we might as well just hand him the United States. At some point, you're going to have to fight. In this case, the Ukrainians have to fight, and the free world should support a sovereign nation and stand up against a a brutal thug dictator murdering men, women, and children. Uh, we now know that they've gone scorched earth. 
Uh, Putin is somewhat embarrassed on the world stage that it hasn't gone as well as maybe people thought it would. He's killing civilians, bombing hospitals. He's knocked out a number of schools and leveled entire neighborhoods. These are all facts on the ground from our reporters that are telling me what's going on there. I'll give you more of the details on the other side. And we're, we're not going to buy the big lie of Biden, Saki, and Kamala, which is, oh, everything that's wrong is all Vladimir Putin's fault. It's a lie. news all afternoon when you get off work be sure to check in first for everything you missed during the day this is the sean hannity show all right 25 till the top of the hour 800-941-SEAN our number if you want to be a part of the program so i fear that the russians are albeit ever so slowly getting closer to the capital kiev what we're seeing and, and reading and reporting and sources, the people on the ground that I talk to, is not good because it, 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 my observation is, and this is speculation only on my part, is all the, the surprise shock that how bad Putin's uh, generals and, and army have performed in this. Um, you're looking at a megalomaniac, egomaniac, uh, that has very broad, wide territorial ambitions. Anyway, so Ukraine is becoming Chechnya on a larger scale. UN is saying that they're warning of a potential nuclear war. And Russian forces now, it's been chronicled everywhere, they're killing civilians, looting stores and homes uh, all across occupied parts of southern Ukraine, according to residents there. Kiev is more in the north, in the middle, below Belarus. Um, people arriving from Russia held areas over the weekend described hungry, are hungry, and, and uh, they see undisciplined Russian troops shooting unarmed villagers. We've seen these pictures of innocent people. Um, several residential buildings in Kiev itself, the bombing in Kiev has been ratcheted up greatly as Russian troops have, have gotten closer. The mayor of Kiev has announced a 35-hour uh, curfew. Uh, in, in other areas, in Kiev in, in, in particular, 19 citizens killed, nine injured in the latest Russia attack on a TV tower uh, that's going on there. Ukraine official is claiming certain, some other areas, casualties are approaching 20,000 people. Um, an advisor to one of the regions in, outside of, uh, on the border region are making those reports. Russian state-run TV program is advocating for the public hanging in occupied Ukrainian cities. What do you think is going to happen to this woman uh, who worked in a newsroom uh, that protested and put up the sign that says, no war, don't believe the propaganda? Apparently, she was in court today. It disappeared. People wondered if she'd ever be seen again. Zelensky is predicting victory in Ukraine. He's begging the West to provide the weaponry so the Ukrainians can fight their own war. Maybe you think that's the right thing to do. Maybe you don't think that that's the right thing to do. You know, at some point, you know, we can't be the world's policemen. You can't. But you've also got to look at the broader, wider implications of all of this. 
and, and the amazing thing in, in a political context is Donald Trump's admonitions and warnings that that NATO, you know, on the one hand, we're, we are providing the bulk of monies while countries like Germany and, and other Western European NATO allied countries, they're paying much smaller amounts in terms of the actual money, but they're paying smaller percentages of their smaller GDP. And then he said, why would you then turn around and allow these countries, because we're protecting you, paying for you. We're not that worried about Russia, but we're part of an alliance. We pay the bulk of money, and then you and your countries turn around, and you import all these ener all this energy from Russia and make yourself dependent on Russian oil and gas, and you're making Putin rich again and Russia rich again. And it's just stupid. I mean, it's the same thing. Why would we make this idiotic deal with Iran that is being brokered by Russia and China? This is madness. Um, anyway, by the person at the U.N. that said it's in the realm of possibility, a nuclear war is the U.N. Secretary General. Look, I'm, I'm not a big I don't have great confidence in the U.N.'s ability to do anything right or the WHO's ability to do anything right. They ran basically as a propaganda arm for China throughout all of covid. Uh, not exactly particularly happy. As far, if the U.N. left the New York City, I, nobody would be happier than me. Um, European leaders plan uh, to visit Ukraine's capital as, as this now continues. And Biden apparently is going over there himself. You know, I noticed Boris Johnson is holding meetings with oil and gas leaders as the White House employees. Remember, Joe Biden brought in this week, or within the last week, TikTok influencers. Well, you say, well, what's an influencer? An influencer is somebody, you know, companies will pay these TikTok posters massive amounts of money if they have enough followers because then they'll promote their products and they're known as influencers. So now this is what the Biden administration, they want the TikTokers to go in there and spew Joe's propaganda. And the propaganda and the big lie is, you know, being repeated and regurgitated over and over again. And that is, oh, inflation. Vladimir Putin caused this inflation. We didn't cause this inflation. OK, well, we have had record high inflation for the last, what, four or five months now? Went setting one record after another, long before Putin invaded Ukraine. Same with oil prices. You know, this this is the. Uh, my name is President Joe. I blame Vladimir for everything I do wrong. Biden. This is one big lie. Now, the media always got upset. Oh, Donald Trump just told the lie. Liar, liar, liar. Pants on fire. When are they going to hold everybody in the media mob is echoing this big lie? Democrats, Jen Psaki, Kamala Harris, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, all the usual characters. Are we going to blame Putin for the crisis that Joe created at our southern border? Are we going to blame Vladimir Putin for the fact that Joe Biden ran out of COVID tests over Christmas when predictably cases are going to rise as, as people get in closer contact with each other? Are we going to blame Vladimir Putin for Joe Biden's debacle and his exit from Afghanistan, which was an unmitigated failure and disaster? Are we going to blame Vladimir Putin for the initial claim that inflation is only transitory? Now, most economists are predicting a recession or even worse. You know, we're going to blame Vladimir Putin for the food chain uh, crisis that we've suffered in this country. High gas prices. We already had it long before Putin invaded Ukraine. 
Now it's exacerbated it, no doubt about it. But we were averaging what nearly a buck fifty a gallon for gasoline, and you saw the prices at every store you go to go up dramatically. And you're paying more to heat your homes this winter. You'll pay a lot more to cool your homes this summer. Um, gas prices, it's not our fault. I will stand up. I'm the only one that heck can go toe-to-toe with Putin. Yeah, well, you're really going toe-to-toe. I have so much, I have so much confidence in, in Joe Biden. Um, anyway, now Boris Johnson, it's a little late. Because if they would have listened, if Germany, NATO, Western European countries would have listened to the admonition of J- Donald J. Trump, which is don't make this guy rich. You're putting him in a position to destroy you. We wouldn't be here today. And if Joe Biden didn't push our Western European allies into the arms of Putin and give in to the climate alarmist religion cult that he's a member of that represents the Democratic New Green Deal Socialist Party, we wouldn't have this problem today. We would be able to supply our Western European allies with the energy that they need. If we didn't cancel, if Joe didn't cancel on day one the Keystone XL pipeline, the premier of Alberta says it would be finished today and we would be able to have imported from Canada Canadian oil some 900,000 barrels a day. And they're even offering now, through the means we have currently available, another 400,000 barrels a day if we want it. So he doesn't need to kiss the ass of the mullahs in Iran, the dictator murdering thug in Venezuela, or the or the OPEC nations that don't like us. Um, by the way, and this is another thing, all, all these reports over, oh, we, we have 9,000 areas we can drill. He's put more restrictions on energy production in this country than than any previous president except for Biden and Obama. You know, now futures has gone down. Oil did slide a little below $100. That was earlier today. I haven't looked at it. But blaming Putin for, you know, and COVID for record high inflation is a lie. Blaming them for higher gas prices is a lie. And, you know, drafting TikTok stars to blame Putin for rising gas prices. You know, you've got these kids that's like the hiring... No offense, I've actually interviewed Kim Kardashian. She couldn't have been nicer. It's like hiring the Kardashians to spin your propaganda for you. You know, what is Putin, What will Putin do if Russia has no chance of victory? This was an article on well, someplace I saw. It's not going to be good. I'm sensing now that Putin is feeling a level of embarrassment. He's an egomaniac, megalomaniac, narcissist. Um you know, this 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 is what we have now feared. Now, you add to this something that nobody in the media is talking about. Interestingly, I don't know why they would ignore it. Um, U.S. lawmakers, some of them have taken note and are demanding that Biden break out of the nuclear talks after Iran launched a nuclear, I'm sorry, launched a missile attack on on the U.S. consulate in Iraq. You have a large ballistic missile fired by Iran slamming right into this facility, our consulate, in Iraq. What is Joe going to do? I brought this question up yesterday. You know, simultaneously, don't think this is not by uh, design. The world will take advantage. These hostile nations, hostile actors will take advantage of this quagmire that Joe seems to have gotten in. China's warning of the worst consequences for any country that supports Taiwan's military. 
And on the other hand, they're saying there's going to be, you know, the U.S. is warning China not to assist Russia. Does anyone in their right mind believe that 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 President Xi cares what Joe Biden says or thinks? No, because they don't and they won't. You know, there's been a lot of miscalculations here. You know, I, I worry about a cornered rat in this case and the rat being Vladimir Putin. You know, and this 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 inability to take blame for failure is is really annoying me. Now, NATO is amassing, what, 30,000 troops, 50 warships for huge war games on Russia's border. Oh, OK, that's really going to do it. war games uh, in international waters. Moscow is claiming Biden has caved on Ukraine sanctions against Russia because they so desperately want this Iranian deal, which is going to be worse than the first Iranian deal that will put tens of billions of dollars in the pockets of mullahs that chant death to America, death to Israel. British defense sources are saying the Ukrainian resistance does has performed extraordinarily well beyond anybody's expectations. But this is an uphill battle. They, they're outmanned, they're outgunned. They have more sophisticated technology, and Joe Biden vetoed the jets, meaning the, the MiGs that were offered by Poland. Now, on the economic side of things, uh, by the way, Biden's labor secretary, Marty Walsh, is even warning that a recession is now a real likelihood. Gee, welcome to the party. Um, Saudi Arabia, now some people say it want, it's the U, Yuan is how you say it, uh, Y-O-U, A-A-N is the proper pronunciation of the Chinese currency instead of dollars for Chinese oil sales. That's not good for the country and that's not good for the world because we were always, you know, it was the U.S. dollar, the full faith and credit of the U.S. government, which was always BS anyway, once we got off the gold standard, in my humble opinion. The Federal uh, Reserve expected to raise interest rates this week, likely tomorrow. Washington Post column, buckle up, inflation, risk of recession are about to get much, much worse. Let me tell you why the mainstream media is finally covering this. Why? Because they're looking to use this Ukrainian invasion by Russia uh, as the as the scapegoat for all of Biden's economic and energy policy failures. You know, producer prices now rise by double digits. In other words, Wholesale inflation in the U.S. shot up 10% last month from a year earlier, which means the inflationary pressures remain intense, which means the likelihood of America hitting a recession is, is all the greater. And then Biden is just unleashing rage on Americans. I'm sick of them blaming inflation on me. Well, who do we blame it on? Because inflation, a 40-year high, happened long before Putin invaded Ukraine, Joe. U.S. economy, all signs point to a recession. And who's getting disproportionately impacted the most? The poor, the middle class in America. It's, it's that bad. Then we get, I'm not even talking about the price of gas. Democrats now saying criticizing Biden for the high price of gas is un-American. Congresswoman Kim Schreier, to, to not blame Putin is denying reality. And I think it's un-American. Oh, okay. Does she not know the fuel prices were going up because of his policies before Russia invaded Ukraine? You know, by the way, there was an article on FoxNews.com. I might put it on Hannity.com because it's long. And the headline is Russia duped Europe into energy dependence by funding 
rabid environmental groups. Russians actually fund the most rabid environmental groups in Europe. Does that surprise you? New York Times, February 20th. Biden administration halts all new drilling. Oh, what about the 9,000 approved drilling leases? Um, unbelievable. Biden doubles down on ending fossil fuel consumption in the middle of all of this. We're going to continue to be aggressive um, on the executive front. And he spoke about bipartisan infrastructure deal. And he said, it's another reason we've got to get off the, our dependency on fossil fuels. Well, what's the alternative, Joe? Got to tell us. 800-941-SHAWN, our number. 